to the Across the Pod NFL podcast in the first of hopefully six episodes where we preview each playoff game in the wildcard round with a fan of those teams involved. So I am, as ever, your host, Andy Davis, and I'm this week, I'm joined by two returning guests. I don't think either of them would have ha- maybe had this happening start of the year. Uh, with us today is fan of the fourth seed, Houston Texans, Graham Henderson, and fan of the fifth seed, Brands, Dan Toomey. But boys, first of all, how are you both? Great, great. We're doing uh doing awesome. Excited for to be back in the playoffs since the first time since since 2020. Obviously, a new look team, you know, not, no longer Baker Mayfield left. We got, you know, January Joe at the helm. So very excited for the next uh, next couple of days and expecting a good matchup on Saturday. And Greg? Yeah, same. Great to be in the playoffs. Who'd have thought it at the start of the season? Maybe this guy, I don't know. Um but uh, no, I never thought we'd make the playoffs. I just thought we'd have a winning season. So I'm just, I'm just there for the ride now. Let's, let's see what we can do. And of course, you are not long, literally less than 24 hours uh, away from returning to the UK after going to the Texans game against the Colts, which I can imagine must have been, even if it was, you know, you weren't a home crowd. That must have been just an amazing experience to win that game, which you know back then he didn't know he was going to win either division, but it certainly got into the playoffs. Just how was that experience, and how was the atmosphere in Indy? Uh, well, that was my first trip to Lucas Oil. Um, really nice stadium. Uh, the fans, on the whole, I would say ninety-eight percent of them were okay. You know, you get the occasional ones that just, uh, you know, they take it a, not too far, but. They, they like giving you a bit of stick and a bit too much needle, but great experience. Uh, lucky enough to be sitting just behind the Texans bench during that game. Um, awesome. Really, they, they had us going. There wasn't that many Texans fans in attendance, so it was the loud house, as they like to call it up there. Um, brilliant, though. To, to, to leave that stadium knowing that you were in the playoffs, but then to get off the plane back in Houston to know that we were division champs, you know, that's would never have thought it going into there that we, we'd be taking home the cap, you know. Um, yeah, so awesome experience. Uh, like I say, great stadium, great atmosphere. They, they, they can get loud. That's one of the loudest experiences of an away crowd I've ever witnessed. Um, but yeah, brilliant, awesome. Just can't say enough about how good it was. I think you know. sometimes, I think UA fans, I think, especially what if you're from the area as well, I think it takes a certain kind of fandom to then go away from where you are. Like, obviously, UK fans come from anywhere, in anywhere in the States is good, but saying American fans who are from Houston, I think it takes the same thing with our version of football. So, if you're the first fans who go away from where they normally live to follow their team, I think that takes an extra bit of fandom on top. I think they are. You know, they're the diehard ones. So, yeah, fair play to them. And for you, Dan, of course, last Sunday was a bit more relaxed. Of course, you'd already secured the playoffs just the third time in this century you've made the playoffs. Um, and so I think how much credit do you think deserves to be gone to Stefanski? Because most teams, if you lose your star running back, one of the best in the league as well in week two, and then to lose quarterback, you paid all that money for, gave up all that draft capital for, and then still finish it with 11 wins and have your playoff fate determined not even on the last day of the season just how much of a credit does that need to be given to Stefanski and how much of a good job he's done uh, coaching wise yes Stefanski has done a great job and um, I say this on every show because I don't think he gets enough credit around the league Uh, Bill Callahan our offensive line coach is a genius 
And I hope Haslam offers him $20 million a year to stay with the Browns. Cause if you look at our starting um, offensive line at one point, we're down to backup left tackle. We had a third string left guard for some games. We had a backup center, backup right uh, guard, third string tackle, right tackle for most of the year. So, you know, uh, Deshaun and Nick, they get a lot of the, the, the um, limelight for being injured after the year, but the whole roster has been been decimated. So Stefanski, it's going to sound like a homer take, but I think he's a top five coach in the league. You know, you go back to look at his first year where he took over for the Browns and that was the COVID year. He was a rookie coach, COVID season, couldn't meet with the players over the summer, couldn't hold the proper off season and took us to the playoffs for the first time in, you know, over two decades. And now kind of a different type of diversity this year. And he's getting the same results out of a different cast of players. You know, Stefanski was an amazing hire. I was so happy at the time. And, you know, also credit to, to Andrew Berry, our general manager, he was brought in the same time as Kevin Stefanski and the two of them had just really built a, um, a wonderful, powerful, you know, sometimes unstoppable roster um, outside of the quarterback position. Yeah, I think that it's, yeah, I think the job he's done since joining the league, I mean, yeah, it's made the playoffs, albeit, you know, people seem to like think there's an asterisk behind it, but I don't agree with that statement, but certainly in your first year to make the playoffs, um, you know, and to get the first playoff win in so many years, and then, you know, in a division where every team in that division had a winning record, to still finish second in that division, I think a lot of praise. I think a lot of people talking about, D'Amico Ryan's talking about Shane Steichen, John Harbaugh, but I think certainly for coach of the year, I think Kevin Stefanski should be in that, in that contention, in that sort of nominee list. Um, Graham, now, I think if he was playing, it'd be an even more of a great narrative, but how good would it be for you to see your team stop the Sean Watson getting a ring or the potential from getting a ring? I know he's not playing, but I believe Carson Wentz got a ring when he got injured for the Eagles. So how good would it be to be the team that you know the ones that he wants to leave and then all the stuff came out just how satisfying would that be to to knock him out of any potential chance of a of a ring well i think i think the two teams are kind of linked for the last few years and dan might agree with me on that you know there's been a lot of the, the browns have helped us out in a lot of quarterback situations you know osweiler you took osweiler and swallowed his contract you've t- taken Deshaun on when we were obviously having some issues with him so yeah you want to you want to beat him but it's not just about that. There's there's more to this game than that. You, you know, you were saying your your O line struggled throughout the year. We've had the same issues. It's there's kind of been like a mirror image. The two teams have been fighting these struggles. You know, they've both got head coaches that are well in the conversation for coach of the year. You know, uh, D'Amico is the first rookie head coach with a rookie quarterback to make to to be division champs. You know, there's so much around this game, more than just Deshaun. And I think he would just be looking at it from that narrative. just too much of a, like a, a tiny distraction from the bigger picture of what's going on. Yeah, I'd love to beat him. But I think after, like, I because I, I'm just back, I was actually at the Browns game when, when you gave us a, a bit of a, a spanking NRG. Um, but that even that's going to be a different game. You know, we had no CJ in that game. There was there was no... Grenard went out early. Nelson got banged up early. Uh, Will Anderson wasn't playing. Blake Cashman wasn't playing. So this is, I think, is going to actually be a better game. This time, I think it's going to be a more... 
competitive game. I think I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this. And I, I think this could swing either way because both teams are going in there, um, chips on their shoulder, a lot to prove. You know, we're both searching for that, for that Lombardi. Um, so, yeah, I think there's more to it than just beating Deshaun. I, I think he's just, I, I don't think, even think he'll be mentioned in any of the team meetings. Um, it's, it's just, there's, there's more at stake here than just that one, that one peg, you know, I will say, I will say one thing. And you could ask all my friends that the entire week before week 18, I said over and over again, I do not want to play CJ Stroud in the playoffs. Give me the Jaguars. Give me Trevor Lawrence. I do not want to face CJ Stroud. The man, the man's been on fire all year. You know, he missed a couple games with concussion and everything, but I'm looking at the AFC and like, you know, the list of quarterbacks that scare me in the playoffs. You got Lamar Jackson. You got Patrick Mahomes. And honestly, I think CJ Stroud is third on that list currently. Um, Cause you know, he's, he, he's turning into the boogeyman right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I think, I think rookie of the year was pretty much locked up. I think Sydney offensive rookie of the year. Um, I think, you know, he uh, should, I think being a callback will help that. And I think that will be, Probably, you know, I think he's definitely going to win that. But I think there's a, definitely a list of recent years of teams who, um, who sort of make playoffs with rookie head coaches, and there's a good recent track record. Like, I actually I saw this morning. I can't seem to find this stat about a list of teams, and it's it's a great um, sort of omen for you guys going to the playoffs. And I wish I could find that. I'll try and find it later on if I can, because it's should give you Graham a lot of encouragement. But for the Browns, of course, you've got someone of your own that can give you encouragement. Joe Flacco. Now, we mentioned Sean Watts going out injured, and Joe Flacco was, he seemed done in the NFL. I mean, he's at the Jets last year, didn't do too well. He's coming to the Browns and almost rediscovered his old self. He's almost like he's travelled back in time 10 years ago and he's gone and joined the NFL again. So that does that give you confidence, Dan, the fact that the last time he was in the playoffs um, you know, properly, he went on and won a Super Bowl, and he he wasn't great in the regular season that year. He was a bit like Eli Manning in terms of never really did it. It was never the best callback in the regular season, but that one year he had in the postseason with the Ravens, um, he, they they did. I think it was a 2012 season. So the fact of the, his current form, the way he's playing, obviously Mario Cooper being healthy is is a big big um sort of determining factor. But how how do you see him doing in the playoffs? Do you think this was just a few weeks, a nice little period, or can you see him? repeating his old self and getting you guys further than just a wild card round. I got to say one of my favorite things to watch this season has been Joe Flacco to run play action and there's throw mortars down the field, sky high balls to Amari Cooper, David Njoku, Elijah Moore. This is something that is more of an off season conversation, but I do think that Joe Flacco fits better into the Kevin Stefanski office than Deshaun ever has or Deshaun ever will. Um, honestly, I think there's just too much of a little, little too much uh, improvisation when it comes to Deshaun when trying to operate this offense. And I think Joe has the experience, the knowledge, and the football IQ to realize why plays are called a certain way and what we're trying to get out of certain plays. And is able to operate uh, more efficiently within the confines of the play calling. So like I said, that's a whole offseason conversation about how we're trading Deshaun and eating $80 million in dead cap and Joe Flacco to the moon. But also at the same time, he's made Cleveland Browns football fun again this year. Um, I, I was 
as Andy knows, we've talked on the show. I've never been happy about the Deshaun move. I think we gave up way too much for a player that is too, not only morally questionable, but also like even playing skill questionable with the rust and everything. So going to the season, you know, I had high expectations for the roster, but I wasn't happy, you know, watching the game. And then, you know, Deshaun gets hurt. We roll out DTR, we roll out PJ Walker, and then here comes Joe Flacco off the street. So my expectations are as low as they can go at this point. And just to go into every Sunday, just being like, hey, let's watch a good football game. Let's watch a fun football game. And that's the only expectation I have week in, week out is just being uh, a great experience. And I, I told one of my friends who's also a Browns fan, that it feels like that 2020 Browns playoff team with Baker Mayfield, where it was a COVID season and there wasn't high expectations of that team because we came off a disappointing year in 2019. So every Sunday we just had fun watching football and, you know, Hey, we made the playoffs and it was great. We didn't expect to be here. And it feels that way over again, you know, after losing all those quarterbacks, Hey, we made the playoffs. We're not expecting to be here. And, you know, Football is just fun again as a Browns fan, which is enjoyable. So I know we have, you know, a great defense and everybody's talking Super Bowl expectations. And honestly, I'm just going in to every game just to sit down and to enjoy a football game. You know, I, I'm not delusional. I think we're going to make the Super Bowl and everything, but um, I think we will be competitive in every game. And I think we'll give the opposing team, you know, our best effort week in, week out, which which is not something you could say for past, you know, Browns coaches, definitely not something that would have gotten out of the locker room. Yeah. I mean, I went to that Steelers game in, in Cleveland uh, where you had DTR on it. You, you, I was watching and thinking if this team had a callback or this team had the 29 version of Sean Watson playing, this team could be the chief, the number one seed in the division. And I think that um, in the conference, and I think that, Joe Flacco has, has brought that back and now we're seeing exactly what the team can do with a quarterback playing at a good level. And I think that Baker had his moments, but I don't think he was awfully consistent. So what Flacco's doing right now, I think it's um, you know, it's really, really interesting to see what happens. But it's um of course you both of course have got your last player process came against the Chiefs both times. I mean, Graham probably wants to think about it less than Dan does. I think the the Texans that loss, I don't know how I mean, I've got the Gerard slip. I've got you know the Gundamore goal against uh, Aston Villa. I've got these moments, but I'm sure for most Texans fans, that must be something you're thinking about, Graham. The fact that um, you know you really want to avenge what happened last time you played the playoff game. Yeah, the collapse. Uh, it was tough to watch. I, I I don't know how we went so far backwards when we were doing so well and going forwards. You know, there was a time there when in that game that it looked like we could do no wrong at all. And then all of a sudden the wheels fell off and I think it was a fourth down play. I think we went for it on fourth and then the the, the story goes. But going back to Dan talking about uh, Flacco there, it seems to be that some of these older quarterbacks are having the fountain of youth when they move to another team. Like look at Brady when he went to Tampa Bay, Peyton Manning when he went to the Broncos. Now this could just be another one of those scripts in the NFL where Joe Flacco goes to like a division opponent and then he ends up promising and delivering everything that Browns fans have been hoping for. And it's a great story. It's just a pity it has to go through my team to get there. Um, but yeah, I, I can, when watching the game, I, when, when, I, the, when I was at the Browns game, you seen Joe Flacco just had this really calm presence at leading the offense. He was never too rushed. You know, even when we were starting to get some pressure on him, he, he never come off plan. 
and Amari Cooper ended up going for I think a career day. Uh, it was a uh, Brown, day. Brown's receiving record of all time. So we don't have to talk about Josh Gordon anymore. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, see, so he's also just erasing some of the things that you don't want to talk about anymore. You know, yes. so it's more than just the game for Joe Flacco, but. Yeah, I, I would love another pop at the Chiefs. I don't think they're quite the team they have been over the last few years. Um, Mahomes is having issues. Um, they don't seem, a, from what I've been watching, a very good fourth quarter team. Um, he doesn't have the same weapons. Kelsey, I don't know, will not bring up why he's maybe having a bad time because we've all seen too much of her on the TV. Um, but yeah, the, there seems to be issues at the Chiefs and I, I think this is maybe one of those years that people will fancy a chance at them. I don't know if the Dolphins will, will do that well this weekend against them with the temperature um, being in the freezer. But I, I think some other teams might be able to adjust to that temperature. It's better if they have to go through Arrowhead. You know, like you say, the Bills had to go there. That's not something the Bills are against. But definitely us. If, if the Texans can keep away from those cold cities until they really have to go, then we can do okay because I don't think we've not played performed very well in the cold this year. But also, on the flip side of that, we've played very well. I think CJ's five and one, maybe six and one. I might be getting this wrong against teams with a winning record when he's played them. So well, I wish I, I Tua had that stat. I tell you that. I wish I wish Tua <laughs> yeah. had this stat because. It's, yeah, it's um, I, I can only look on an envy the fact that you got a call back and I can actually do it in a big game. Yeah, so <laughs> that, that's something we're we've not been used to, you know. Um, um, I dug I dug out the old championship hats, nice, uh, nice, you know. So, um, 2019, um, been a long wait to get back, um, and nobody thought we'd be this year. I think we're ahead of the curve, so anything, anything we do now is just fantastic you know yeah and of course for you dan of course we've talked about joe flacco and mark cooper but of course miles garrett i mean cj stroud is doing well but of course this brown's defense is not just garrett but garrett is the main guy just you know we'll, we'll talk about in our bill steed as one next but with having no tj watt but just how big is it for you and how good is it to have Miles Garrett there and having then a big game. And how much of a problem do you think you can cause to this Texans offense? Yeah, Miles is is having a career year, you know, at all all time NFL year, you know, pressure win rate and all this, all that. Unfortunately, the sacks just aren't there, but I equate it to, you know, baseball and having a high hitting percentage versus having a high home run total. Like, yeah, it doesn't hit the highlight clips, but you know, you are being a very productive uh player for your team. So and then the other thing is he he has helped now. You know, we got Zedaria Smith on the other side, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, Shelby Harris. So it's it's like a collective unit where in the past it was kind of just like miles and, you know, three bums, you know, honestly. You know, even I know, you know, you guys down in Houston have a, a rich history with uh, with Clowney, but we definitely uh, definitely didn't get a lot out of the uh, out of the mercenary in his time here in in Cleveland. So I think miles might be the most important player in this game and how he is dealt with in his matchups. Um, you know, he, he lines up mostly on the right side. So he'll be going up against Laramie Tunzel. So that's going to be, you know, a great matchup. Um, Tunzel can probably handle miles 
75 percent of the time himself so i i would expect you know chips uh dalton schultz to line up on the left side of the line a lot just to you know give a little bit of help to uh to cj um but the thing is you know all that attention on miles you got zadarius on the other side he's a producer in his own right um you got jok in our linebacking core one of the most athletic linebackers in the league right now and and the one thing i like to rely on and i don't i always say it i don't think it gets talked about enough but i think the browns might have the best cornerback trio in the nfl with denzel ward greg newsom and marvin uh martin emerson jr um so the individual one-on-one matchups will be very important jim schwartz likes to play a lot of man defense um, so a lot of, you know, Nico against Denzel Ward, um, Newsom will be in, in the slots. So whether that means that he's covering Schultz, if he's running a route or covering somebody else. So it's going to be a lot of individual matchups that we're going to have to win one-on-one to, uh, to come up with a victory. And we are also potentially getting Grant Delpit, our safety back, who's had a career year himself. Um, I, I feel like I say that for every defensive player on the Browns. Um, it's, it's amazing how much a competent defensive coordinator can produce when you give him all, all the talent. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun one. It's, it's going to be a fun one. I'm glad that we are the first game of the weekend because you know what, let's get our nerves out of the way. Let's just let's enjoy the other five games, knowing our destiny already. And we don't have to sit there, you know, sweating out till Sunday night, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I think you mentioned now, I want to touch on it quickly was um Jeremiah was to come out, as you call him, JOK. Uh, I probably have completely butchered his name there, but um, Well, that's why everyone calls him JOK. Everyone yeah, just exactly. gave up. I think I think I tried it once on draft night and I said, Nope, JOK, that's fine. Yeah. And it's actually fitting because he does play kind of like the Joker role in our defense. You know, we drafted him with having Lamar in the division kind of as like that Lamar weapon. And he's, you know, just developed into a general overround great, great linebacker. Yeah, and I do think that. You know, he's what in the third year in the NFL now. I do believe that this could be the game where he maybe announced himself to the the wide NFL. I think obviously Browns fans will know who he is and AFC North fans will know. But I think maybe maybe lot maybe some casuals might not know who he is, or maybe some yeah, fans of non teams that aren't in your conference. So I think this could be the game or the playoff series if you do win, that maybe where he established himself as maybe a bigger name in the NFL and people start to take notice of who he is. Um and of course for you, Graham, um one final point I want to talk about is the fact that, you know, Browns, if Cooper isn't playing, if he is out, out for the game, then I think we may rely on the likes of Jerome Ford or even Nick Chubb, not Nick Chubb, sorry, Kareem Hunt in the backfield to try and stop him. And I, I look, I looked at your run defense and it's the 10th worst in the league. So just how, is that a concern for you? Or do you think you've got the ability to stop this, this Browns team if they do have troubles in the past game? Uh, I, <sighs> It's hard to tell. It depends on how everyone turns up on the day. Um, the, the Texans have made a massive jump this season and how their defense operates compared to last season. That's still down to like D'Amico and his defensive mindedness. And we we are far more improved uh, against the run than we were last year. Um, I think apart from the, the, was it in the Colts game, uh, Taylor went off. But apart from that, we'd been holding teams to 89 or less yards on the ground, which is a marked improvement from where we were last year. Um, if Amari Cooper doesn't play, I think that'll that'll help us. 
hugely because of what he did to us in the last game. I was going to say, we've, if he is playing, we've got to put Stingley on him like the whole game, just shadow him all day because Stingley's by far our best uh, corner, you know, like deep, deep um, threat man. You know, he can cover them pretty well. Uh, as for like going back, I, I, I like listening to what Dan's got to say about um, players and stuff. Um, with Miles Garrett, you know, he. He's like Will Anderson Jr. as well. You know, everyone's talking about the sack numbers, but it's not about the sack numbers, it's about the pressures. It's like how much disruption can one man cause to allow other people to get home? And that's exactly what Miles and Will Anderson have been doing this year. And like I've been saying this all the way through this chat, the similarities are just huge in this. Um, maybe the fact that we've just got a rookie QB and you guys have got a tenured QB, that's maybe like the farthest thing that we have apart from from each other but one advantage the Texans might have had is we were lucky enough to see a lot and the O-line have played against Miles and, and Co just a couple weeks ago you know we, we got a good look at them up front whereas with Grenard and Will Anderson not playing your O-line didn't really get to see how effective our pass rush can be the fat Blake Cashman, who's been an outstanding linebacker for us this year, he wasn't on the field. There's Our defense is going to be, have a different look to it, and our offense is going to have a slight tweak to it with the, with the fact that you're putting in that key component, CJ Stroud, again. So I think the, the playing field will be more leveled this time completely, and it's just going to come down on to who maybe messes up. You know, turnovers in this game could be key. Um, and it might come down to that old adage of defenses win championships, you know. So it's going it's going to be tough and it's going to be exciting. And I'm glad as well that we're the number the first game on. You know, I don't think I could last all weekend sweating <laughs> bullets. Yeah, I I do pity those uh, Eagles and Bucks fans have to wait all that time. Um, and I think certainly we'll go into the predictions now because this game is the first of the six games. Nine thirty p.m. in the UK, four uh, thirty p.m. Eastern. I think it's 2.30 p.m. in West Coast, and I think it's 11.30 a.m. if you're in Hawaii. Now, apologies if I got my timings wrong there, but it is the first game, and I think that, I think for me, I'm looking forward to Cowboys-Packers the most, but I think for the AFC, I think this is the, the best matchup, I think, on paper. I think the other two maybe have more more strong favours than this one does. I think this one is completely even, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you boys have prediction-wise for this game. Uh, we'll go to the home team first. Graham, who's winning the game? I, I'm going to say the Texans are going to win, you know, just because I, I kind of have to, you know. Um, my heart and my head are lined up on this one, but I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to get 28. I think we're going to score 28. 28-21 is what I'm going for, Texans. Okay, okay. And then for you, Dan, who's winning the game and what scoreline is it going to be? Uh I got the Browns winning 24-22. I know, shocker, I chose the Browns. <laughs> well, as a neutral, I feel like I got the most important one in this thing. Who am I think is going to win? Is it the Texans or the Browns? Oh, I think both have got great storylines. They're both almost Cinderella-like stories. You've got Joe Flacco rolling back the years. You've got a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback and a believer rookie wide receiver, albeit he is injured on the new reserve. But for me... Oh, this game, I, I, I actually find it one of the toughest to predict. It is the hardest to predict. I think it is the, I think other ones I've got an idea in my head already. I haven't really planned for this. I've thought, try to keep it as last minute as possible. Oh, 
going to give the edge to the brands just i think i'm going to go for a um oh i think it'll be actually quite oh, i don't know both teams oh, i'm going to go for 30 27 to the brands i think they're going to win on a last gasp field goal to win the game i think they're going to progress and probably uh, may potentially be the lowest seed left in the tournament but you never know if the dolphins Steelers win they're one of the highest seeds so that could be um yeah an interesting scenario Please, uh, please don't leave it up to a last-second field goal. We have a backup kicker. <laughs> hey, we've had like ten or eleven games go to one score this season. So our our kicker has a hamstring injury. No, no last-second field goals, please. Well, it's a good thing the Bears on in it because they have probably PTSD from from field goals <laughs> after what happened to them against the uh, Eagles all those years ago. Um, but that is where we'll end the podcast today. Our first of our six game preview. So first of all, thank you to both Graham and Dan for coming on. Pleasure. Yes, thank you, thank you, and Graham, best uh, best of luck this Saturday. Honestly, yeah, I'm looking forward to a uh, a great game. I'm honestly, I look forward to seeing you most years in the playoffs going forward. Yeah, I think it could be one of those battles going forward now. Well, what the only the only question is how long Joe Flacco plays. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all ended. What a nice way to end the podcast. Um, this has been the Texans against Browns wildcard round preview. And we will see you guys for our next wildcard game preview. See you then.